0: Hello and welcome to super excited with stefan roost i'm mike the facilitator of this podcast in this episode stefan talks to rob wolf rob wolf is the founder of digital asset news and while his work is under the news heading rob is really a teacher helping viewers better understand crypto investing and trading in this episode stefan and rob discuss taxes in crypto how real inflation data changed rob's strategy a recession in 2022 stablecoin adoption and ux and cbdc's enjoy this episode
1: hey everybody um nice to be back again and i'm again super excited as always about what's going on in crypto land but also to be here today with rob Wolf. Uh, rob actually had we had the reverse situation i think it was like three four weeks ago where Rob was great, you know, talking about Truflation and super happy to go through Truflation with Rob and um, how he constantly, how you constantly use it all the time. But we're now here to talk about digital asset news and how you came to launch um, this project. And I actually mistook because in your channel you had Dan as your name. And so I picked you up with Dan and you know, um, that's sort of what your abbreviation is for your channel, right? How did you get to Dan?
2: Yeah, so I just well because when I was getting into it, it were, there was uh everything was about crypto. It was a crypto channel and crypto this and crypto that. And I took a look at it and I thought to myself, I don't think we're going to call this cryptocurrency forever. I, I mean, there are currencies, but of course, as Ethereum came along with with smart contracts, and then there's a whole plethora of like play to earn, move to earn type of things. So I'm like, I don't know if we're going to call it crypto forever. So I just call it digital assets. And I thought, well, what should I call about it because what do I wanna talk about? And for me, like I was always interested in like, what, are the, what is the news? So I said, well, I'll just call myself Digital Asset News. And then I would just add, make the acronym, D-A-N, and I'd say, this is, and I, when, I, when I condensed it, people just thought my name was Dan. So I just went with that. I'm like, okay, I don't really care what you call me. Uh, just, uh, just, just show up and watch the videos.
1: Awesome, yeah, and then I think why, you know, one of the things that I found interesting is that you set this up to actually provide an educational mm-hmm. platform For people to better know how to invest, trade, what to look for in crypto. And I was really impressed with your breakdowns in terms of how you tell people to diversify their assets. um, You know, keep your coins, not too many coins on all the same exchange and things like that. Simple, but really important, crypto relevant, uh, um, risk diversification ideas.
2: Yeah, Uh, well... Yeah. The, and the, the well, I'll tell you the reason why is because yeah. Stephen, when I came, because you've been in, you've been in this game for a long time. I know you've been you've been quite around Bitcoin.com and those types of places. Yeah. So when I got in in 2017, everybody told me uh, that hey, you know that Bitcoin's going to like a million dollars like next week or something like that. So <laughs> wow, that sounds pretty good. Numbers go up. I don't know what it really does. I don't really understand it, but I like that. So I'll invest into that. And of course, everybody would, would talk about maybe 250000 maybe half a million dollars. And of course, John McAfee told me, it's going to a million next year. And he would never lie to me. So what I did was I said, well, when the 2017 bull run happened, everybody gets, gets kind of piled in. And then, of course, it goes up. Yep. And then, of course, we see this huge uh, catastrophic wow. fall off the cliff in what I deem the four-year cycles. And that's just a natural progression. So I said, I told my wife, I go, look, look. Um, here's our choices right now. I can sell everything and we can get out and we can just you know cut our losses or uh, we can do this thing called dollar cost averaging. Uh, I read this book, uh, The Intelligent Investor, and it seems like these are the, the principles maybe we should look into it farther down the road and then maybe a little do a little bit of learning about what this whole thing is. And she goes, well, what do you want to do? I go, I'm not in the business of losing money. Uh, because before this, it was, you know, it, it was real estate, sports facility, Amazon FBA business, those types of things. And I said, I'm not here to just cut and cut and run. Let's just see how it works out. So for all this time, 2018, 19, 2021, 20, just dollar cost averaging, very simple. And I thought to myself, well, if I... I'm not that smart. So I'm like, if I can figure this out, maybe I should start to tell people about, you know some basic principles about what to do to not get sucked in. And uh, that's when uh, I started to talk to my friends, and they said, Don't tell me about it. I'm sick of you talking about it. And of course, the wife said the same thing. So well, where can I talk to more people? And that's when the YouTube channel came about.
1: Awesome. Yeah, no, and I, I like the way that you, yeah, I mean, like I said, right, not only do you sort of give people advice, you also break that down, the technical analysis rather from TA, you actually break it down into human speak and what does that really mean? So good interpretation. So check out the channel, guys, if you haven't followed it, it's on YouTube, available, um, please check it out. Um, but one thing I do want to ask is I always ask, you know, two things I like to find out from, from people I talk to and that slightly different to... It's not crypto-related or Bitcoin-related, but more about you as a person in terms of what's the last great book that you read and what would you recommend people read um, in terms of that book that you read uh, that you really enjoyed?
2: You know what's funny? This is the book I, I, I'm I reading right now and getting through to it, and it's the one I, I yeah. put up all the time. It's called This Time is Different, uh, different. by Reinhardt.
1: Okay, okay. And, uh-huh. and
2: this is a perfect we did not plan this. I'll, I'll let everybody know. We did not plan <laughs> stuff and then tell me the questions, but I have it here all the time because in between like my breaks of the videos and things that I'm doing with other, my other stuff, I'm reading this book and what it takes a look at is eight over eight different centuries, it takes a look at the economic factors and what is going on in these markets. And it shows us that when people believe, and it's especially like, I personally believe that sometimes people make things so complex and they yeah. make it complex, so you have to rely on them to get the answers. But when we take a look at this book, they say, look, there's just a repeat and a repeat and repeat. There are four words in investing which are just a recipe for disaster. When people say, this time it's different, it's never different things just keep keep repeating there are cycles there are four year cycles there are 80 year cycles there are 100 year cycles and even in in real estate there are these these yearly cycles that go through and it just goes on and on and on so this is a book that i highly recommend so when people they come to me and they go aren't you worried about you know crypto crashing and and uh you know real estate going down and and, and the market going down i'm like no because in all honesty if you just read this book and a couple of others that are out there you can see that these are a natural progression of what is going on. So, and Stefan, you mean, you're on the same page. We look at the data and go, well, this is great news, especially yeah. right now. I can't believe how cheap this stuff is. And I just, I get into it. And I'm not talking about buying every dip and being diamond hands and that you know, craziness like that. I'm just talking about some basic principles, dollar cost averaging, taking a look at what the markets are doing and just have a, instead of a, a Dogecoin millionaire mentality, have a one year, three year, five year, 10 year plan and just see it through.
1: Yeah, no, a good, good good, good. mark I, I find always is, you know, pick a strategy and then stick to it. Don't go in and trade in day in and day out because nine times out of 10, I find that unless you're really on it all the time and it's your real profession, trading is really hard to do, right? You you win uh, some, you lose yeah. some, and who wins are the exchanges, right? The exchanges always win because they get fees either way you trade. So the more you trade, the more they make, and they don't care whether you go up or down as long as you're trading.
2: Yeah. And then another the thing is you have to remember there's this thing called taxes. And I don't know if people have heard yeah. of these things, but they're called taxes. <laughs> and they're long or short-term capital gains taxes for so you need to factor those types of in. And then you gotta ask yourself, like, what is my what is the value for the time that I'm spending looking at these charts? How yeah. much time can I get outside with my family or do the things that I really want to do? I mean, people can trade, they can trade all day long. I'm just yeah. I'm just not the kind of guy who's like, I need to look at this. All the time and just go from there. So, yeah, I yeah. totally agree there. But th- it is profitable. If you want to do that thing, um, do whatever you want to do. And that's that.
1: You know, one of the things I look at at taxes, you know, talking about taxes, I have to go into this because I feel that the cities that have been the most tax friendly, as in reduced mm-hmm. taxes the most, have prospered throughout the last sort of five, 10 years, right? It's been. Puerto Rico, Lisbon, Dublin, Miami, Austin, you know, Nashville. Yeah, Yeah, it's like all of these cities have really just blossomed because they brought down tax rates, incentivized users to move into their cities, and then Mm spent money on the economy, going to restaurants, doing the shopping, building out furniture inside their apartments, Getting house redecorated there instead of paying it into a central institution that doesn't—you re- don't know where the money goes. You know, I think I was—you know—I saw a yeah. podcast the other day. I'm paying millions of dollars into somebody in Washington. Where's that going? How's that improving the street on my road? <laughs> Is it you know, I was like, <clears throat> and, and, and and you know, you know what you, that?
2: Yeah. No, no, go ahead, seven. I know you got a good
1: no, no, okay. I, was, I was just so, going to go into you, right? So it's like, what, you know, when, how do you manage taxes? How, how is that important to you or not important? And you've already said you spend a lot of time with the family, outdoors a lot more versus actually trading on time. But how does taxes impact you and your decision where
2: you live? Well, that's, first of all, Let's circle back to what you said about, you know, like, like getting, you know, paying the government and putting that money into the government. And yeah. where does it go to this big black hole? Yeah. You know, it would be great if we could put some of the spending on the blockchain and make it some on-chain data. Just like that what you guys did over there be. at yeah, Now yeah, that, yeah, that would be. <laughs> if, if, yeah, if, if we could do that and then you could, you could have someone say, you know, take a look at it and go, okay, well, here's my representative for Texas. or right. Here's my senator of Texas. This is what they're spending on. I need you guys to focus in on this and you can see exactly where it goes instead of these black holes. So that's that part. But as far as like taxes. So here's the thing. So like we've got long-term and short-term capital gains tax here in the United yep. States. Uh, throughout the world, it, of course, it varies. I can only speak in the U.S. So I remember when I, when again, when in 2017, I knew that if I sold my crypto less than a year, now it's going to be a big hassle because depending on whatever my tax bracket is, that would be my short-term capital gains rate. And that could be, I mean, for anybody, it could be 25, 34, 42%. And that's just me in Texas. And Texas doesn't have an additional tax. Whereas as opposed to like California, you would, you would pay your short-term capital gains plus the capital gains tax in California, which I think is like five, six, 7% or something crazy, which go, talking about taxes, there's a reason why all these businesses are, has a mass exodus outside of California. There's a reason why Tesla picked up their entire shop and stuck it in Austin. It's because the tax, the tax rates are more beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. So when I knew that, I'm like, well, I don't really like that. So at least I can do the long-term capital gains, which are roughly 20% plus 1% for the different laws that were passed. So I'm like at 21%. Okay. Well, that's not too bad. And then of course that's exactly what you have to pay. Now, for us, what we did, I was like, well, I think that I'm going to take a look at a legal way to not pay as many taxes. So there's this place called Puerto Rico, and it is a U.S. territory. It's not a state, it's a territory. And if you move there, you pay 0.0% in capital gains tax, which is fantastic. However, there are some caveats, and I did a whole long video about this. First of all, you're going to be have to you're going to have to be putting into a lot of money into charitable events there in Puerto Rico, the things that when you move there, you're going to have to buy property. You're going to have to help the local economy. And of course you have to do, deal with uh, job creation. So when you move down there, your job then is to create jobs. So that's kind of like one of those, one of those trade-offs. And it's something that I have no problems with. And of course you have to actually live there, live there. So if we're talking about taxes. That's just what we did. And another thing to make mention of is that, it's not like you can just take all your crypto and go over there and then just go, I'm not gonna pay anything. That's not how it works. Whatever you brought with you, you're gonna have to pay on that. And then it just kind of resets as you live there. So for me, it didn't really, it helped me a little bit in 2021 when I sold a lot of my a lot of my crypto off to, yeah. to pay for real estate. But uh, moving forward, I think in the next four year cycle, when we hit the halving in 2024, And then, of course, I think we're going to hit all-time highs in 2025. That's when it'll help me. And that's when it really goes to that foresight and planning way, way ahead and not just being the Dogecoin millionaire six months and I'm rich. doesn't matter.
1: Wow. So you're really planning 2025. So now the next four years out or three years out in terms of where bitcoins go and and investing on that time horizon.
2: I'm, well, Stefan, I'm hoping, I mean, we talk about these, these four-year cycles all the time on the channel yeah, yeah. and you can just see it repeating again and again. Yeah. So I mean, we know what happened in 2012, yeah. you know, Uh, or 2012, we had a halving, 2013, all-time high, yeah. 2014, a dip, 2015, a reset, 2016, Bitcoin halving, yeah. 2017, all-time high. high, 2018, the big dip, yeah. 2019, a reset. And it went, went again. And I thought, Honestly, I thought that the four year cycles were broke because in 2020, we had the halving. That's always going to happen every yeah. four years. But in 2021, we didn't, we didn't have this monstrous high. And I thought, well, maybe we're going to have what, what's called extended cycles and we'll go into 2022 and hit an all time high for Bitcoin in the crypto market. But it didn't. It hit around 67, 69,000. Bitcoin market topped out around 3.2 trillion. And then after December, in January, 2020. Uh, two you yeah. saw decline decline, decline 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 and it just repeated again and again does that mean i know for a fact it's going to happen no because i don't have a crystal ball but if history repeats itself it looks pretty good but of course we also think we also take a just remember this plan b had a great stock to flow model yeah. and that worked out pretty well until it did. Until so just be aware yeah. for everybody watching
1: yeah, I think patterns, patterns always help and, and patterns, like you do say, repeat themselves. However, the time horizons in which they repeat themselves do differ and the economic circumstances. I mean, who would have forecasted in 2020 that the governments would have shut down the whole economy around the world or 2021 really, right? And lock us down. Yeah. And that,
2: that I mean, yeah,
1: exactly. That throws spanners into the works, right?
2: No, it's it's it. It was a, it was a huge problem, and and you know what's funny is that every time we go through these these big events, yeah. people always say the same thing. Well, Bitcoin has never been through this, yeah. so maybe this is it. <laughs> and so it goes through a yeah. pandemic, exactly. and then of course now we're in a recession. I'm I'm pretty sure we're in a recession. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure, but we're going to see the numbers on Thursday to see if there's two consecutive. Uh, downturns in GDP. Yeah. I mean, depending on what the White House wants to classify this as, whatever. So they're going to say, people are going to say, well, you know, Bitcoin's never been through a recession. And of course, it's true. And and people will write it off just like they did last year, and the year before that, and the year before that. And heck, maybe they're right maybe, maybe all this goes to zero. I don't personally think it will. But uh, as you can see, every time that something happens where Bitcoin's ever been through this, crypto markets ever been through this, it tends to weather the storm and then come out even stronger. So that's what I'm waiting for. And those types of things I'm waiting for. But there's, there's things that even like my strategy has changed. And that my my strategy's changed because of websites like yep. Uh, Because usually what i would do in 2018 and 1920 i was dollar cost i was buying every single day little little amounts because over time it would work out but now what i'm doing is more value cost averaging so instead of me buying every single day what i did was because of inflation we know it wasn't 8.5% or whatever they they said it yeah. was i mean you can just take a look at true inflation yeah. and you can see i think we hit almost 12% yeah. so What I'm doing is I'm taking a look at Truflation, taking a look where the inflation rate is. Because if the inflation rate goes down, then the Fed will pivot, then the markets will rebound a little bit. So I'm waiting for, like when the CPI numbers came out on July 13th, instead of buying every day, I just saved up my money. And then when those CPI numbers hit and we hit 9.1%, I thought maybe I'll just wait a little bit, see if the markets go down. And they did. I think we hit around 19K for Bitcoin and then it bounced right back up. So I just deployed all the cash then. And this week, I'm doing the same thing. Everything that I would usually buy every day, I'm just sitting around and waiting, waiting for the Fed to come out on 20, July 27th yeah. to say, "Here's the here's the rates. Is it is it 75 basis points? Is it 100, 100 basis, basis points. points? Then go from there." Yeah, I see. Me, that's why, Steph. That's why we get along so well. I think it's going to be the same thing. But who, what yeah. do we know? And then I just look at I just look at the Trueflation website and go, "Will the Fed pivot with the new data that they're getting?" are they going to use CPI numbers from before? Because right now I'm looking at the website, 9.86%. And that's a far cry from the 12%. Yeah. But the question is, did the Fed do that, or is that just because of uh, uh, the demand for oil has gone down, or the uh, the the prices for for uh, oil and whatnot? I don't know. But I can just tell you, it looks like it's going down. So I'm get a little more a little more bullish as time goes on.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, ultimately we see that inflation last year, prices rise significantly last year around this time. They started going up. And so this year, the price contrast last year is sort of realigning. It's not jumping as much as it did last year. Number one, supply is also, real estate supply is coming onto market. Um, so that's also dampening a bit, the real estate uh, price. That's sort of what we're seeing. And we're trying to sort of visualize a lot more of that in the dashboard that you see at trueflation.com. But to me, the funny thing is, to your point, right, it's like we even get to a point where we, we've we got this in at 27, so in two days' time, we'll find out what inflation is, is what interest rates are going to look like. And then you have today a blog post going out about, you know, sort of, yeah. um Recession. We're redefining recession, right? So we have this new office and department that has rewritten the rules, contrary to yeah. all the economists. That you know what defines this recession is two, you know, sequential quarters of negatives. That's a recession, right? And oh no, 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 no. The this department of I don't know economic research or something rather has all of a sudden of uh, people that have been most probably working in that department for the last fifty years are not elected into office uh, you know and and they just come up with this whole new definition that it's going to be the foundation of recession but i think they're getting us ready to say it's not a recession and that's why we're raising interest rates to 100 basis points by 100
2: basis. Yeah i think you no know, <clears throat> and i it makes sense, though, yeah. right? Especially right now, because in the United like I don't know for you watching home, yeah. I don't know where you're at, but we have midterm elections yeah. coming up uh, the first week of yeah. November. So if if Democrats, which well, they're pretty much split in the Senate, it's a it's a 50-50 split with the Vice President breaking a tie, and then you've got two hundred twenty to two hundred eleven for the House of Representatives. If they go into these elections and the word is recession. That doesn't bode well for them to keep the House yeah. and the Senate. But if they can say, look, we're doing our job, we're doing exactly what it is, just keep us in power, please. <laughs> then, then of course, they can try to keep that power, and then they won't lose the House and the Senate, maybe, and we'll go from that. But I think, I personally believe that people are much smarter than that. I think people have gone away from the yeah. narrative of the talking points of, of the mainstream media. And they, you know, they just look for people that are out there, like, you know, guys like us or people who are much smarter, like Stefan, and uh, to say, what is going on in the, in the real world and what's happening? Because I don't really trust the government as much as, 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 uh, as maybe my grandparents yeah. did back in the day. So I think they'll, they'll see right through it, hopefully.
1: And I don't know why the governments can't be honest about it. I mean, why don't you just say, look, we don't feel, you know, for whatever reason, We don't feel this is a recession, you know, but it may be in technical terms, you call this a recession. These are the one, two, three, four reasons why we don't think it's recession. So this is why we're taking these actions. And like you said really early on, it's simple, right? Just keep things simple. They don't need to be over Mm -hmm. difficult and complicated and, and manufactured because then you're all, we all feel you're building up smoke and mirrors, right? If you keep it simple, then we can all understand it and make sense.
2: I think so too. I, I think there's, there's, there's some people out there that are trying to simplify things and kind of push, push the agenda forward without making things, you know, way, yeah, way yeah, super okay. complex. Like there's a representative, yeah. yeah t- Tom Emmer, uh, and then uh, Cynthia Lummis yeah. is trying to do her, her, her best uh, job. And yeah. Toomey uh also. So like, and, and they're trying to push that, that forward, but wouldn't it be a breath of fresh air if a, if a politicians come out, one politician came out and said, look, we're in a recession. I, I know what the white house has said, but this yeah. is what it is. And here's how we're going to try to fix this moving forward. But it is the reality folks that will never happen though, because they have to toe that party line and just go, no, nope, my guy said it. It's not. And the other side will say, no, nope, we said it is. And and then, and then of course, again into the, uh, into the voting times in the midterms. But,
1: you know, that's one thing that, that, you know, we experienced a lot, particularly over the last sort of maybe year or two, we've always been talking and a lot of um, analysts that or experts coming into crypto have always said, oh, what do you mean? Crypto is going to be you know, your inflation hedge. You know, it's been aligned very much with the stock markets, right? And so the correlation is still there today. Yes. Um, what's your view, given where we're at with governments and are we at the bottom now? Do we see a bifurcation happening at some point in time? Um, yeah, Will we see a separation if we go into recession? Will crypto recover faster? What
2: are your thoughts there? It's a, you know, it's a crazy thing. Like when I got in 2017, nobody was talking about crypto coupled with the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 and traditional markets because there was no correlation. Uh-huh. But as time has come, yeah. gone on, we've seen a lot of the institutions come in. And man, we love those institutions when they come and bring their money, don't they? love them thank you so much for buying all this crypto because that that pumps my bags but we hate their guts when they sell and but people don't yep. understand like like tesla that's their job to sell their job isn't to diamond hands yep. and and do all those things their job is to make their shareholders happy and their, and their job yep. is to grow the business and their business isn't bitcoin sailors business may be bitcoin now as time has gone on, but it's kind of like, like like a proxy instead of his original business, but that's not how it is. So, yeah. so when I see this, like people say, well we'll, well, we'll decouple soon enough from the traditional markets. I don't think it's going to happen for a while. And the reason I say this is because okay. the traditional markets are actually getting in, in a little bit more harder. Like we did a, a show yesterday and we talked about uh, Barclays, Barclays is a, is a huge bank lender And they have asset center management of 1.4 trillion. And they did a funding round for copper. And copper is one of those places for institutional investments, investors to really put, park their money and get into the, get, um, exposed to crypto. They also had State Street on there, 4.2 trillion asset center management and some of the bigger names that are out there. So I think right now, which is what we talked about before, Stefan, the bear markets are great because we don't have to deal with all the noise. We can just build and move on from there. So I don't see us decoupling from the institutions because the institutions want to come in. It's an asymmetrical bet. They will do well. The problem is people have to understand is that they are not diamond hand holders. So you have to, if you're a trader, you get in and get out. If you're someone like me, three, five, 10 year horizon. and uh, And just be aware that there's gonna be massive volatility but I still think that we're not gonna see a decoupling because what's open 24-7, 365? Crypto and digital assets. Can't do that on NASDAQ, S&P 500, even Forex. Yep. So that's how I see it. Could be wrong.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's one thing, right? It's like we've invited the institutions to come in, particularly the financial institutions, they came in and, and now they have a different way of working with digital assets, right? And and I think we as a community need to adjust to that, right? They're not here to stay. This is now becoming, I think we just broke back up against the up a, past the trillion dollar market cap across yeah. all the coins again. We're up at one and a half trillion or something now. Um, so, you know, and they're here to stay. They're gonna play these markets, right? They're, to them, it's an alternative asset class, not necessarily a utility token. and you know, well, okay. which, where, yeah. where, where do you see sort of in that respect, right? We, uh, the way I look at institutions is I break it down into two different categories. The financial sort of sector where they're about trading. And then there's the sort of enterprise sector, right? That are looking to crypto and both of them see efficiencies on the one hand in it. And then the other hand, they also see, you know, the trading capability and the treasury management around that particularly the financial services. When do you see the enterprise coming in? We've all been waiting for mm. security token enterprise entering into here, but we've never seen anything come across the line in terms of when they come in.
2: There's Well, this is not going to be very popular, but I'm going to tell you why. Uh, <laughs> I think there's, okay. there's two things that have to happen for for these big enterprise corporations and entities to come in. First of all is we have to get regulation. I know people hate that word, but it's not like... I want you to put a 10 mile per hour speed zone on the highway. What I want them to do yeah. is just to do the basics of basics. When in the military, when I was a medic, he'd have to triage, you know, so people would come in. Is this going to make, this person going to make it or not? We're going to triage them real quick. We're going to separate them to see, okay, you are red, you are blue, you are green. And then just go from there. And then, because we could, we could quantify and we could see who's, who is what, and it's the same thing with I think crypto and digital assets. Tell us, give us guidelines, and not like Gary Gensler gave you guidelines, like come in and talk to me so I can sue the pants off you, Coinbase. I mean like real guidelines, like uh say, and of course, the, the SEC is just for enforcement, they can't write the rules. But to write the rules of what is a security, so we can we can say exactly what that is, what is a currency. And, of course, with security, it gets regulated by the SEC. What's a currency? The Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. What is a commodity? Well, yep. that is with the, with, with the CFTC. And CFTC, then just yep. and just kind of go from there and say, okay, this is what it is. If you can give us clarity, then I think the big corporations and entities are like, okay, now we can – we don't want to get because if it's all about risk management, why would a corporation get into something where they hold on their balance sheet what they think is a security – And then they have an unregistered security on their balance sheet like we don't want to deal with that we want you to tell us what it is or if it's a commodity or something like that so that's the first thing and the second thing is we need something that besides bitcoin that really does something i know people this is again not going to be very popular but like when i take a look at like ethereum there's a ton of developers there's a ton of projects and people are building on it like crazy but as far as like a real world use application What are things being done? And people will always say, but, but Rob, there's, you know, we can, we can track different products. Uh, We can, we can take uh, the data that is, that is out there and we can uh, put it throughout uh, the, the, the different nodes. Uh, We can take these different uh, games and services and we can put them on the blockchain. That's great and all, but who right now is using that at mass, mass scale? I know those things are out there. But I think, and I'm going to echo with uh, with what Mark Cubans from The Maverick said, crypto and digital assets will take off when you have that one killer use case that is mass adopted. Once you get that, then things start to really take off. And I just don't think that's that's there right now. Bitcoin is a great service. I mean, if you want to talk about like store of value, if you want to talk about economic or what is actual money, transferable money, then sure. But on the other you know, uh, spectrum of that is what is being used in real-world use applications at a scale. I don't think we're we're there yet. So I just want those two things to happen. That's all.
1: One of the things that we look at is is Bitcoin really you know sort of addressed inflation a lot, right? I mean, it really it's an inflation hedge. It's like your gold, your digital gold, and and that's what it, it's a store of value, if you will. And then what? In my view, what is a super underappreciated user experience improvement in crypto wow. or in across Web3 has been stablecoins, right? Stablecoins yes. has taken out volatility and allowed us to, ow, oh, I can trade, I, can, I know that I, it's going to be one dollar to one dollar. I can buy off something from you. You can accept that it, and you know you're going to receive it. You don't need to worry. The next day, it's gone. It's off twenty percent value or eighty percent value. And I think, or you were that guy that spent three hundred million dollars on a pizza, right? Do you? You know, we, nobody wants to be that person, right? I mean, the fact that you actually do spend three hundred million dollars on a pizza because you're spending the exact same amount to convert it into stablecoin and then use it. But either way that psychologically it has a huge impact. Do you yeah. not see stable coins moving into real world? When will we be able to purchase that Starbucks coffee with a stable coin? Maybe not in the U S maybe not in China, but maybe in, in Mexico, maybe in Venezuela, right? Or where, or where, and when will that sort of start kicking in?
2: Well, I mean, it's as at mass scale, it's going to take some time, but right now it's, we're able to do it. I know, the last Bitcoin conference, you had Jack Mahler's up there from Strike, yeah. and he was and he was talking about how you can buy anything, uh, very small or very big, really, uh, just by using the Lightning Network. And you could and yeah. it was just using uh, the Bitcoin network where you could pay, you could yeah. have dollars, Bitcoin ne- network transfers it over, and you could pay somebody from dollars to euros or dollars to pounds or pounds to francs or whatever yeah. else it is. So like I see it's there. The question is. When is the adoption coming? And I think, yep. like, the adoption will come once the merchants figure out of the cost savings. So right now, like, I have an online education platform, and I have to pay Stripe. It's too, it's well, it depends. Two point nine nine percent plus thirty cents per transaction, which really adds up. Which wow. is wow, yeah. But if you do. A, X amount of transactions, and I'm like, okay, we're going to give you a deal. It's one point nine nine percent plus three cents per transaction, and it's the same thing over at PayPal. So if you can look at that and go, okay, merchants, and let's just, yeah, not me. Let's just say in India, yeah, right. And 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 we yeah. did a we did a, a, a story about this about how much they have to pay over there for merchants. And of course, if you are going to use cash, they use you know they use their their monetary system. But if you are going to use a yeah. uh, digital transaction, right. that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money yeah, that yeah, you have sure. to just for transaction yeah. costs. So. Once the merchants figure that out, then it kind of, you know, snowballs in that effect. So I think that's just one of those things that has to come through at some point, but they have to figure that out and they have to make it easier. And like you talked about the user interface, which is why I'm always talking about Truflation, because you guys disguised it so well. You guys tricked me. And I I thought I was looking at uh, it was like the same colors as like Facebook. It's super easy. It's free to use. And I, don't, and I don't have to put in any data or do some kind of like uh, connection to my hardware wallet or something. It's just all the data is there. You use Chainlink as an Oracle and it's perfect. And that's what we have to do. If my mom can use it, then it'll take off.
1: Yeah, yeah I think usability is really important. I think the fee structure... You know, one thing that I, I like in Peel's book, right, I mean, he talks about a 10x improvement. Whatever innovation you provide, and if you want a mass adoption, it has to be 10x better, right? Um, I yes. think, you know, yeah. and, and, and we really focus what drives 10x improvement beyond, you know, after the Visa cards that we use today, right, um, or these credit cards. It's basically, it has to have really, you know, we have to take out friction, right? And we have to take away friction. fees, yeah. right? Those are the two elements, right? And, and user experience is an element of friction. Fees is a user it's an element of user experience, right? All of these add up. And I don't think it's just one effort anymore, but it's an amalgamation or it's an aggregation of different services that provide yes. a holistic engagement and experience for everybody, right? And that's the merchant specifically that lives on razor thin margins anyway, and if I can take out, you know, that 2% or 3% of their cost basis for doing a payment, wow, why is that? And how can I leverage and spread that cost across the distributed ledger network, right? If I can do that and spread it across the miners and incorporating transaction fees, then maybe there's a way to grow volume and then everybody wins a share out of that
2: exactly and but yeah. that's just it but these merchants they have to first of all they have to find that killer app that does everything yeah. right china yeah. has these uh, these like this like one killer app that does pretty much everything and we everybody china, uses yeah. it. that's yeah. it and yeah. so if we could have something like that that would be perfect the problem is we have 19000 oh. different cryptos something <laughs> crazy like that so there is on. There, there's one more thing I, I, I'll say that probably won't be popular again, but with the SEC being a thorn in everybody's side and talking about regulation and, and making everything a security, it might actually work out in our advantage. And here's how. If all these, if Gary says, OK, I'm going to help you guys write these summaries uh, for the laws. Lummis picks <clears throat> it up, Tumi picks it up. Let's all work together. <laughs> and they decide what an actual security is. Well, guess what? There are a lot of securities as far as crypto goes. They're not as much as the utility as people think they are. So now these smaller uh, projects, now they're all labeled as securities. So now they, most of them go away. And the mid-tier ones go, look, we don't have the money to sustain ourselves, to file the paperwork, to get the lawyers, to, to go with the SEC, to register as a security. And then, so we're gonna, we have a problem. That's okay because yeah. the top 20, 30, 40, 50 ones go, we're gonna absorb you just like we do, just like Amazon did with all the different warehouses and businesses like Zappos and things like that. Come in with us. We're going to take the developers. You're going to work for us. We're going to make something great here. And then we can flourish like that. Now the merchant's like, okay, well, maybe you make some killer app or some killer way to not just use like the Bitcoin network, but, and we talked about this before, an actual chain or a bridge for all the different cryptos that are out there. And you can use, doesn't matter, you can use Ethereum, you could use Chainlink, you could use Solana, you could use Polkadot, or whatever else it is, and pay in that, and it goes into one simple way to do things. If they can do that, and then ship it to the merchants and go, this is what it is, and a lot of people are using it, then things take off. But it has to kind of, unfortunately, a lot of these crypto products have to go away.
1: Yeah, and we've already seen a huge decline. You just referred to 19,000. Tokens out there, right? We've already dropped to thirteen thousand, right? And now in this, yeah. this little recession that we've had, you know, we've lost some seven thousand tokens. Push, you know, just projects that have gone dropped off. Coin coin you know, coin gecko. It's just, yeah, a pretty severe impact on the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you got to play something?
2: <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you reminded me because I can't even keep up. Like uh, thirteen thousand sounds good. I can only I can only take so much in my brain. Again, I'm I'm only smart enough to to simplify to, to simplify things. So, thirteen thousand, yeah, I can see that. Let's see how many actually get uh, get pushed out.
1: But even if you look at the layer ones that are out there, right, and and, and we've launched Trueflation. We listed it on Chainlink. We work with Chainlink, they're a super good partner. But we bring our Oracle service available now on four different chains. So you've got Trueflation mm-hmm. times four, right? So um, you've then got yeah, then we were we we're on Binance, Avalanche, Polygon and on Ethereum. Um, and so now in theory, what happens if we get onto all the EVMs that are out there? Should we be on Arbitrum? Should we go onto ZK Sync? Where should where else should we go with our tokens? Right? Should we go onto Solana? Should we go onto cosmos chain right there's so many different chains that you can get on each one of the polka dots, each one of them have an ecosystem inside their markets and if you think how big the economies are out there and the different industry verticals in each economy you know in a way why can they not have a loyalty card why can they not have a currency that you need to pay them in and nowadays with exchanges decentralized exchange i can immediately swap into i love your product i want to buy and subscribe to your next course right and i you only accept dan tokens and oh damn but Dan tokens i can buy dan token on this exchange it's credible i can only swap it with usdt i have lots of usdt i can then go swap it buy a token and boom i pay you you get your currency that you want um and it should be as. Easiest that in a wallet without me even noticing it, right?
2: See, and that's just it. That's what we are what talking about with, with with friction. You shouldn't yeah. have to see it. No one wants yeah. to. Know, no one wants to see how the sausage is made. They just yeah. want to eat the it's sausage. Eat the sausage exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's it's the same thing. It's a yeah. remember the remember the days of like when your first browsers came out for the internet. Yeah. See, I'm old. I remember that stuff. Yeah. And like you, you had to jump through a couple of hoops. First of all, you had to try to get on. And yeah. on the internet, and of course, if you had that AOL disk, it wasn't too too tough. You had to put yeah. it in, da 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 da, <laughs> come in there, and then of course, you'd actually go through 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 your browser, and it would kind of work, but kind of not. And you you'd, you'd put it in an in, in a search query, and of course, there's all the different like like junk websites because they were doing keyword stuffing of, of all the things that you were lo- no, looking for. Exactly, like, and, and it did. It just never worked that great because it's just the early days. But once you started to realize or started to figure out, or actually people started to figure out like, we want something simpler, something where no one really has to see it. That's when everything took off. Same thing with cell phones, same thing with this, and it's gonna be the same thing with crypto and digital assets as time moves forward. But the, that's the growing pains to get there.
1: Yeah, know. I mean, I remember with, I mean, and, and I think every innovation has had a faster growth trajectory, right? Just mainly because, of the distribution has been easier and i think crypto has had i mean it's only 10 years old you know a little more than 10 years old and we've grown from nowhere from a little pet project that only crazy whack jobs that were in gaming and exchanging you know game cards for were were involved in to a a place where now jerome powell is saying that cryptocurrency is influencing his policy making right and so Ultimately, in the 12-year period, it's crazy how far we've come. So if you look back, that's amazing, right? And I think we never spend the time to look back. How far have we come? Look what we've achieved, right? We still have a hell of a lot to achieve, and there's a lot of opportunity. But I think now, I remember at the beginning, how does that work? How can you make that work? I got hundreds of questions. I don't understand how Bitcoin works. Why do You know, it's like, do you really need to know how it works? Do you know how money works you give me a dollar i give you value are you happy with the value i'm happy with the dollar both of us are happy so who cares we got what we wanted (laughs) each right so (laughs) and and ultimately that's it uh, you know actually you know any kind of currency and an exchange of goods and services for value creates happiness so why don't we allow for more happiness on the planet and allow and facilitate more exchange and i think crypto does that, right? I think it really allows us to have a peer-to-peer interaction without having to fill out 50 forms, go and get approval, to pay you 50 euros for your course. You know? Yeah. I think, yeah.
2: No, it, 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 no, you're right. I mean, it all has to, has to come out like that, but people wanna, you know, this is like, again, I know these are the early days because people are focused on like like the minutia and the technology behind it and how it all works and ZK roll-ups and like, like the really, really fine details. Trust me, it was the same way in the internet days when people were trying to figure out how to use a browser, how to make make the tech work, how to do voice over internet protocol and all those things. But now no one even thinks about that. Like today, I don't even think about how this actually works with yeah. you know the camera that's right here yeah. and we're talking together. And like I don't have to pay, you know, $10 Absolutely. to pick up my phone <laughs> exactly. and call you long distance yeah. something like that. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it just does not work like that. Yeah. yeah. No, and I think one of the things nice. that actually talking about
1: in crypto, right, for anybody wanting to enter today, right, do you need to really know about how it works? And I think you actually translated that and said, you know, it's like, look at the sentiment, right? I mean, what is the sentiment at the moment? And and how how do you measure the sentiment in a currency, in crypto land, across the board? How do you go about and judge sentiment now? And how do you and what sources do you use to qualify sentiment, and what is sentiment?
2: So, like, if you're talking about, like, like sentiment, like, like, like the overall mood, your overall feeling of, of where the market's going, that type of thing? Yeah, So, yeah, yeah. Like, you can, well, there's a couple, Yeah. there's a like, couple, two or three ways. First of all, you can look at the Fear and Greed Index. The Fear and Greed Index will tell yep. you just exactly, just how frightened yep. people are and what's going on. And coincidentally, we were under, you know, because you have a, it's on a spectrum, zero to hundred. Where, you know, anything below yeah. 10 is like severe, severe fear. And then, of course, if you go up to the, the very far side of that, there are people that are just exuberant and happy. And that's not good either. But we just did a story about this. Uh, Bitcoin, the crypto market has been under 25 for the last 70 days, it's the longest it's ever been there because of people just going, you know what? We are, we don't know where things are going. This recession's coming. Bitcoin's never been through recession, those type of things. So we think there's going to be, you know, big bad news. So that's just, just one, one part. Now on the traditional side, you have that, uh, what is it called? VIX where they can take a look at essentially fear and greed index. And then also there are other like sentiment analysis indicators that you can use that are online. And, uh, I think, Masari may have it. And then also there is one Trade the Chain, which does sentiment analysis. And what it does is it it takes it has a direct API integration into Twitter. And uh they just take a look at the, the sentiment from there, from Reddit and a couple of different like telegrams and things like that, and it condenses all the information and gives you like a, a score of a sentiment analysis. If you want to go down that route, you can. But I gotta be honest with you, if you take a look at that fear and greed index, it really tells you everything you need to know and just kind of go from yeah. there.
1: So that's awesome so go check those out fear and greed yeah. index Vix index and trade the chain i love the trade the chain one that's uh, has a good ring to it as well yeah um yeah no i mean i've always looked at developer sentiment right how much activity is it yeah. and more from a coin perspective right what is the innovation happening on this specific chain or or what is the innovation happening are we seeing just copycats the next the next, you know, Uber, you know, Sushi, Uniswap, whatever, you know, is there an innovation coming around the corner, right? Remember, you know, there was an Uber for this, Uber for that, Uber for this, you know, when they were launching new, new, new startups. And was that real innovation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to a certain extent. Yes, it was, but it was around a specific vertical. And are we seeing anything really new come out in crypto land? And to me, you know, we're still, we're still waiting. What's the next big thing? And, You know, I love the concept of flat coins. What is a flat coin, right? I love the, you know, element around pegging currencies to a basket of consumer goods um, or even to commodities or to, you know, whatever is relevant to you and your industry and your business.
2: Yeah. And you know what? That that would go back to what we were talking about before as far as like the store of value argument. People will say it. And there was now look. Uh, any Bitcoin maximalist will tell you the best store of value is Bitcoin, but I got to disagree with them. And even, and it's not just me that talked about this. This was over on, uh, what Bitcoin did with Peter McCormick and Lynn Alden. And they were talking about, and Peter is a huge, huge Bitcoin maximalist. And even he said, look, I love Bitcoin working great. But if I'm looking at a third world country and of course, Bitcoin goes down by 20, 30%, and they're making $300 a, a month, that's not a good store of value. And he even said, stable coins do actually work out pretty well. So if you're in Venezuela yep. and you get whatever their currency is, and you say, I want to get this into stable coins, that is a solid store of value for the short term. I think Bitcoin is a great store of value for the long term, but we're talking long term, three, five, 10 years, and that could be a hedge against inflation. But it's, it, it just took us a while to kind of figure that out. And of course, a lot of Bitcoin maximalists won't agree with me. That's just how I see it, but uh, I will will tell you this: the longer I'm in crypto, the more I become a Bitcoin maximalist because of the different things that are going on and the different—not just the volatility, but the rug pulls and the scams and the different things with like—and we just saw this with Celsius and Voyager and the different problems with Three Arrows Capital. It just makes you go, "I need a better way to uh, for risk." And this is one of those things. Bitcoin does actually work out pretty well, but it can't do everything, in my personal opinion.
1: So on that note, right, I mean, we're seeing governments are obviously picking up on the Celsius, Terra, UST crash and um, BlockFi and, and, and Voyager and, you know, whatever. Um, and they're beginning to push back on that and, and sort of trying to say, we're going to protect consumer but at the same time they're also considering rolling out their own digital currencies right the cbdc's do you see that you know sort of growing and would you think people will start trusting the cbdc's more than they will trust other cryptocurrencies i think and what's your view on cbdc's
2: maybe so well i'll I'll start with the with the the people in mass in general i think beforehand beforehand Let's take it further back to, like, let's say, like the '70s, '80s, even '90s. I think people were a little more, a little more trusting of government. But then, as time has gone on, we've seen the different yep. havoc that that things have played, and people aren't as trusting. There's a big, there's a big dichotomy here in America about who trusts what and which organization and and political organization, yep. and whoever's in power. They, there's a 50% of this country that says, "I don't trust anything you say." Period and then off you go. So like if if our government comes in, especially with what, with what happened where they say inflation isn't caused by money printing, quantitative easing. Well, we know it is. We just know it is. And if they're going to say that and they go, well, that didn't happen. We're just going to print it. But also what we're going to do is we're going to have these things called CBDCs. And uh, it's going to make it super simple. Uh, you're just going to need, here's here's the question I have though. Who who are they going to get? Because the government's not going to, you know, create CBDCs and, and then have it in their own separate app and things like that. Who, who are the technology people that are actually going to upkeep that and make that work? Well, now you have to create another organization for it within the government to actually handle that. I just don't see how that could actually happen. So there's, there's two ways for a CBDC. Is it going to be more like like the China's or ch- uh, the Chinese digital yuan, where it's going to be a little bit more of a surveillance state? I know people, some people. In, will say, they don't, they don't do that, <laughs> sure. So uh, is, it gonna, is it gonna be like that? Or is it gonna be more like, uh, this is from uh, former uh, CFTC head, I think it was uh, Giancarlo, where he was talking about the digital dollar. And he said, we have two ways to do this. We can go more of the way of the surveillance big brother type of thing with what China is doing, or make it more of like a freedom dollar. And if we make it more like the China, Chinese digital yuan, it just won't work. But if we make it more for like uh, transactions that can't be tracked, then it will work out okay. And that's just one person's assessment. I don't personally believe it's going to actually happen. So what's going to happen is this. They're going to try to roll this, the, the the CBDC out. They're going to try to get away with uh, eliminating cash. That's already happening right now. And they're going to try to track a little bit more things. I don't think once you are uh, accustomed to power and control, it's hard to give away that power and control. And and unfortunately, I know people say that cash is trash. Let me tell you, as a business owner, cash is awesome. I'm not going to say that I've ever done this. However, let's just say, for instance, that I'm at my sports facility and someone wants to pay their team in cash. Well, I could report that to the government, or maybe I could not. And I'm not saying I did do that. I'm just saying that is one of those options that is actually available to you when you have cash. It's worked really well for the cartels for decades. So don't tell me that, that, that cash is like trash. I think cash is actually king, especially right now. So to answer your question, CBDCs, and there's gonna be a small percentage of like, yeah, let's do that. But I think a lot of a lot of people out there are not gonna trust it and they're going to uh, not go for that option. And even if they can do it technological wise.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's, what I sort of view CBDCs as a uh, an alternative. People have choice. If you like CBDCs, you can yeah. use it. If you don't, um, uh, and I think we should allow, you know, any wallet developer to include that in the wallet. I, I don't think it should be mandated. I think you should have alternatives. No. I think the way China's done it mm. is is just mandating it, and you have to use it. And if you don't use it, there's no other coin, and all these super apps have to embrace it and pay with it, and uh, enable payments for it, um, yeah, and then coupled with a social score, if your social score is low, ooh, ooh no more, no more pop-up to you, you know, sort of, yeah.
2: Yeah, and that's, yeah, see, <laughs> that, that's the thing. And, like, some people will say that's going to happen, and some people are like, well, that's never going to happen. And to me, especially with what's been happening the last three, three, four months in this space, I don't trust anybody anymore so i just yeah. <laughs> i just go for the worst case scenario and just walk my way backwards from there so i if, if people want to want if developers want to put it in there let them put it in there and then d- and let the market decide that's what the free market's for
1: but i do feel that you know you brought it up really early on right transparency is super important and if i'm paying tax dollars and it's going to a centralized entity, a black hole, if there's transparency around it, where is that money going? Which department does that go to? Which other departments do they send it off to? And then which other departments? Those wallets are disclosed because they're public utilities. They should be disclosing where those wallets go to. If that transparency is displayed and disclosed, then all of a sudden there's a little more trust. If you see what's happened with Aave and with Uniswap, all those exchanges are fully disclosed, right? All of the money and the exchange of funds on those platforms are disclosed and visible as for anybody to see. And the wallets that deposit, that extract, we can see any time um, Celsius is putting collateral back on the chain, extracting value out of that, distributing that, right? So you can see all of that, which you don't see is when behind smoke and mirror. And I think crypto is a way for crypto to succeed and, and minimize rug pulls is that transparency. Um, you know, and we are getting to points where there are institutions now in crypto land that have been around for more than and gone through two, three, four cycles. Those are coins yeah. and currencies that we begin to trust. We know they're around. They've actually got a very dispersed group of participants engaged in building it, securing it, and contributing to that network. And and so hopefully we see more of that. Uh, Hopefully that world will survive. And I got into it because I really believe in a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. And I wanna see that flourish um, and and make that happen. And that's what we're trying to do at Truflation and Laguna. Yeah, I
2: like, I gotta tell you, man. I do, I do like that uh, that website. This is like the third time I've said it, but I love that website because it makes it simple for me to to just see some specific data, give it out to all my subscribers, and the great thing is, of course, it's free uh, for people people like us. But of course, yep. enterprise, you guys are are working on the back end <laughs> to, to integrate that someplace else, and that's that's great. We're not enterprise, but it helps us to make a judgment call, especially with you know, is inflation going down. Are these numbers accurate that the government is actually giving us? Because here's the real world data and it's, it's updated in real time. So, yeah, I can see that. And if we can do something like that with uh, with cash and currency and transactions, imagine what this world would look like. Exactly.
1: Thank you. Rob Wolf, Digital Asset News. Super exciting. Uh, love your work. Love your channel. Everybody subscribe. Um, is there a Twitter they can follow you at? What is there, what's your Twitter? Or...
2: You know what? There's a um, the easiest way to do this is uh, go to. I have a hundred percent free website. I made it free. It's all the basics of things that I've learned along the way. Yeah, uh, just some investing tips. I can't give you a specific advice, but because I'm not a financial advisor, but also how to use cold storage, how to avoid scams, some different uh, products that are out there, and just to make your life a little bit easier. It's called DanTeachesCrypto.com. Hundred percent free. I made it free because, you know, in some places, you you know, you can't afford five bucks a month, 20 bucks a month or whatever. I thought I was going to do it. So I made it free. So just if you want to find me like the YouTube channel and the Twitter and everything else, it's over there at DanTeachesCrypto.com.
1: DanTeachesCrypto.com. Thank you so much for your time. Rob, Walt, um, thank you again. And yeah, keep up the amazing work. And yeah, love your channel. So I will keep on. That's for sure. Thank you.
2: Thanks, thanks for the thanks for the Trueflation website. Everybody, thank you. Bye.
1: Thank you, Rob.
0: This was Stefan Roost and Rob Wolf. You can follow Rob on Twitter at News Asset, That's N-E-W-S-A-W-S-E-T. And check his news channel on YouTube at Digital Asset News. You can also follow Stefan on Twitter at srust 99 that's S-R-U-S-T 99. And you can find the Super Excited with Stefan Roost podcast on all major podcast platforms and on YouTube on the Stefan Roost channel. Thank you for listening.